You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the Tech Podcast for Technophobe. My name is Christian Corley from MakeUseOf.com and joining me is Megan Ellis. How are you, Megan? I'm good, thanks. And yourself? I'm well, thank you. We have been looking at what's been going down. Wow, don't I sound like I'm with the kids saying that? <laughs> um, <laughs> there's been a development in the entire mobile gaming landscape. There's been two developments actually. There's the release of the, um, on the forthcoming release of a new Nintendo Switch model. And then there is the Steam Deck, a $400 if you go for the, I think that's the middle price. Um, unless it's the lowest price. We'll go into that later. Um, it's, it's a Nintendo Switch competitor in many ways, but plays PC games and runs Linux. Um, but that's not the only type of portable gaming PC that there are available, uh, that, that there is available at the moment, because there's a bunch of competitors that, you know, preempted, seen the light maybe early. They've come along and they've already released their products, but they, they run Windows. So there's quite a bit going on in this area. I think as, uh, Megan is with us, you have a Nintendo Switch, don't you? Yes, I do. Did I have a Nintendo Switch? So let's kick off with, um, the Nintendo Switch OLED version, which I don't think that's just, is that its official name? Uh, yes, I think it's just the Nintendo Switch OLED. <laughs> okay, OLED! <laughs> it it was, people thought it was going to be the Nintendo Switch Pro, but it turns out there is no such thing. And it's just yeah, it's the like Nintendo Switch OLED model. Not in 2021. So the um, Nintendo Switch OLED is you may have heard of this already. It came along a few days ago, uh, the announcement, and it has some tweaks to the traditional Nintendo Switch design. So it's not like Switch Lite, which is basically an all-in-one unit with non-removable Joy-Cons. This is a new version of the original Switch, which um, has various tweaks, but there's nothing really of a sort of hardcore performance improvement to it, is there? I don't even think there is any performance improvement. And it's, I think it's in the name, essentially. It's, just it's a new display, the screen. isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's an OLED display. Um, I think the stand is ever so slightly wider. And, oh, and there's an Ethernet port in the dock, isn't there? Yes. And uh, that is... That is about it. It's not even HD, is it? Um, no, it's 720p. Yeah. Um, so that's also why it doesn't get called a pro. There's a different color variant. <laughs> so it's almost like it's not even, you know, when you get like a series of phones and they announce the like upgraded version. <laughs> it's not even that. Um, it is. It is, yeah, it's got a little bit of extra memory and, like, onboard memory, and it has the, the LAN port and a slightly bigger um, stand and an OLED display. Yeah, it um, still uses the NVIDIA Tegra X1 processor. Um, that's getting on a bit now. 
The thing about Nintendo, of course, is that they managed to produce this unrivaled family gaming experience with hardware that is not cutting edge. And, I mean, I look across my room and I can see we have a Nintendo Switch, we have an Xbox One, and we have some uh, Stadia controllers, even though I've cancelled the Stadia subscription and we've only basically got two games we can play on the Stadia. And what I see is a Nintendo Switch as the go-to device over there. It's, you, you know, you can just pick it up and go and play with it. You can just put it back in and dock it and then play it on, on the main TV. It's just so versatile and playable in ways that other consoles aren't. So that's obviously always going to be in Nintendo's favor. Mm. I wonder, Megan, do you think, do you see, do you suspect, or do you doubt? There's been a lot of speculation about the Nintendo Switch OLED before it came along, and there was a lot of voices saying this, that, this, that, what it could do, what it should do. And obviously it's, it's fallen flat on all of those. And there is perhaps a supposition that the only reason that it has an OLED display is that the old type of display that it was using before is going to be less available than it was. It's, it's, there's an opportunity now for Nintendo, seeing what people want from a Nintendo Switch, they can take that on board, can't they, and produce another Nintendo Switch that actually meets those expectations. I mean, they could, but <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that they will. Part of me has felt that Nintendo has been resting on its laurels a bit in terms of the hardware because they have a monopoly on the titles and they lean very heavily on the exclusives. So if you look at 2020 and how their sales increased with Animal Crossing, people were buying it because of the title and it was the only place you could play this game. Um, and I think that they, they rely on that very, very heavily. The nostalgia factor. This is the only place you can get this Mario game. Um, or this, this, um, Legend of Zelda game. And I think part of that plays a lot into it. And it's also what's so frustrating for players because especially when you're, you're docking it or something like you want the hardware to be able to run the games at a higher definition and to perform a bit better, even things like loading times. And I do kind of feel like Nintendo knows that people want something, but they don't yet see the reason to put themselves out there especially in face of, I don't know, semiconductor shortages. I mean, they haven't... Joy-Con drift is apparently still an issue. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Um, I just feel, yeah, they're not investing in the hardware. Yeah, that's a fair argument. Joy-Con drift is one of the biggest problems that's played in Nintendo Switch since its release. And although it doesn't affect every single console, and Nintendo offered free Joy-Con replacements for those affected early on, uh, it is still a thing... And it apparently, and this is interesting because we're going to come back to this whole notion of Joy-Con drift or uh, thumb controller drift or whatever. It is um, something that is still ongoing and it isn't only something that affects Nintendo. It's, mm. I've got drift. 
I'm not sure whether to call it drift or a spasm, really, on one of my uh, Xbox One controls. It just in- automatically just looks up all the time. Mm. Uh, you're uh, pushing just slightly downward. So it, it isn't a Nintendo or anything, but uh, Nintendo would certainly appear to have the uh, knowledge to resolve that if it indeed it is resolvable. I, as I say, we are going to come back to that topic shortly. So the Nintendo Switch OLED is a disappointment. It doesn't really do anything that the existing Nintendo Switch that you have on your shelf or in your cupboard or in your backpack or whatever does already. And, you know, it's just going to be there to buy if people want to buy it. Now, the thing about the Nintendo Switch is on a completely different tack. I believe the Nintendo Switch, and you know, I'm speaking to someone who owns an Evercade and is buying an Evercade BS when it's launched, and I've got my eye on the uh, Odroid, latest Odroid virtual gaming system. Gives away the point of my topic here. I think the Nintendo Switch is the best at the moment uh, retro gaming system, not just a portable gaming system or even home console gaming system. I think it's the best retro gaming system because it's got the largest selection of retro titles available that have been properly engineered for that device. If you mm-hmm. go to the store and you pick up your old, uh, you know, go, go play the old Mario games, they play perfectly. I got the um, the Turrican compilation, it was the best Turrican experience I'd had, and I played Turrican on the C64 and the Amiga back in the day. Better than you'd get on a console. The only thing that comes close is sort of Raspberry Pi and, uh, engineered uh, various PCB kits that are intended for retro gaming. But the Switch really, really does it really, really well. And that's one of the reasons I love it so much, to be honest with you. Because I can just play games. Duke Nukem 3D I've recently completed for the first time. That's one of the packs I've never played before. But, you know, for the first time in this century, I completed Duke Nukem 3D. (laughs) I'm planning on uh, doing some Doom shortly. I'm currently playing uh, Ghouls and Ghosts. And it just everything just feels bang on, right, controllable, responsive. As if the, the games were designed for the Switch. And obviously, we know that they weren't. Mm. So, with that in mind, I'm interested in moving on to our next portion of this portable gaming, really useful podcast, and how these other products actually do or might uh, impact retro gaming, as well as solid contemporary gaming. Over the past couple of days, as we record this, the Steam Deck has been announced and made available for pre-order. Um, have you got your name on one, Megan? Unfortunately not. They, <laughs> they haven't announced availability for my region. <laughs> um, I have got a $4 reservation or a £4 reservation on a Steam Deck, so fingers crossed on that. Nice. Um, it's basically a Switch-esque size device with Thumb pads, D pad, what appears to be touch pads, um, um, ABXY buttons that plays PC games. It's called Steam Deck. Now, those of you who know about Steam and its relationship with Valve and previous hardware will probably know that some of the devices haven't been that <laughs> seed. The Steam controller was an interesting one. I've got a Steam controller and in some ways, it's really good, but in other ways, and including whilst playing the exact same game, it's a real pain in the backside. I've also got a Steam Link 
Now, I really, really like the Steam Link. In fact, there's a couple of guides I'll make use of about the Steam Link, including one on how to install RetroArch on the Steam Link. And it's a really useful little piece of kit, but um, its entire function can be replicated with a Raspberry Pi. Mm. Now, the Steam Link's no longer available, so you could just get a Raspberry Pi. You know, a Raspberry Pi 2 would do the job, and that's like seven or eight years old now. And you can just install the Steam Link software, connect it to your TV, and you've got a Steam Link. You don't need to get the Steam Link from Valve, um, which is just as well, because they don't make them anymore. And if you can get one online, it's probably going to be quite expensive on eBay or whatever. So neither of those products has the best reputation. Have you tried a Steam controller? Um, no, I haven't. Um, <laughs> for me, when I think of like Steam devices, it's basically that they kill them off before regional availability <laughs> reaches oh, yeah. um, outside of their launch markets. Yeah, I just remember there's the Steam Box as well, isn't there, which is probably the closest um, to what we're talking about, which is uh, a Linux PC console. Mm, the Steam Machine. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they've got, like, a, that's even the thing, because, like, I was trying to look back on, like, I was thinking, I'm like, they almost have, like, the Google graveyard of their yeah. their own hardware, and I was trying to, like, even, like, Steam Link hardware, like, I was trying to look for Steam Link. I'm like, surely, I think there's something called Steam Link. And it's like, no, Steam Link is now software. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're trying to just sweep that under the rug. I'm like, wasn't there a controller? And I'm sure there was this other hardware. And it almost feels like there's this, like, you fi- I find out about hardware, like, in the past. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. I wonder when it's going to launch here. And they're like, and then it's headlines, like, this is now dead. And like it doesn't get past the US and UK usually, maybe on the market for a year or two and then it's gone. So I am hoping that this ends up a bit better than that and will actually extend past that. Let's hope so. It looks good. Uh, the Steam Deck comes equipped with an AMD Zen 2 CPU, which is set to be clocked between 2.4 and 3.5 gigahertz. With a 1 to 1.6 gigahertz AMD RDNA2 GPU and 16 gigabytes of DDR5 RAM, which looks okay. It comes in three versions, 64 gigabyte, 256 gigabyte and 512 gigabytes. And you can boost on bot storage with micro SD card. There's also a dock set to come along, but details on that haven't been announced just yet. It features two capacitive touch analog sticks, a D-pad, regular buttons, shoulder bumpers, triggers, and more. And the display is a 7-inch 1280x860 hertz touchscreen powered by a 40-watt hour battery that should deliver between 2 and 8 hours of gaming. The device is said to weigh around 670 grams and it measures uh, 298 millimeter by 117 millimeter by 49 millimeter. That's about 12 inches by four and a half inches and nearly two inches deep. And it comes with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and USB-C and display for 1.4. And it runs on SteamOS, which is a Linux based operating system. Now, this is interesting for two reasons. Reason number one, it's Linux, and lots of Windows games don't run on Linux. Reason number two, it's Linux, and increasingly a lot more Windows games are running on Linux. I was checking out a uh, interesting guide a couple of nights ago, because uh, I am uh, 
<laughs> contextually speaking as well, Megan, because before we uh, recorded this podcast, we had to uh, have a bit of a pause while my computer decided to uh, <laughs> This is my, um, I'm currently running Windows on my uh, Dell G5 and running the latest version of Ubuntu on my HP. And I'm getting increasingly frustrated with Windows. <laughs> so there's a very good chance I might swap those over or just forget about Windows entirely, which, you know, I know there are very good reasons to do that. And looking into uh, installing Linux on this, and with, with there's a Steam consideration about whether I can play a particular game. And there's a new feature of uh, streaming games that you own in Steam on Linux, uh, mm. which, uh, which seems like a good option. So I may be taking that on board. I'm not sure whether or not that requires a home server or it's streamed directly from Steam or not. And if I've missed if I've confused words stream and steam over the past few moments, I do apologize. <laughs> um, I do so. recall, though, that that is possible because I think my partner has tried to do that before as well. Right. Yeah, I think it would be because um, Steam have been actually, and um, I know we've been uh, critical about the various uh, Valve and Steam hardware over the years, but they have been mm. back on with the streaming. Ah, uh, you know, you've got in-home streaming, so like the Steam Link relies on streaming from a main PC, and it, that, it works really, really well. Whether or not you're doing it on Android, because you can do it on Android, or you know, there's other software you can mm. use. But you know, Android has a Steam Link app, so you can play Steam games on your phone. I think it, it's now available on iOS as well. Some smart TVs and Android TVs, you can use the Steam app, so it, it works really well. Just stream PC games wirelessly um, across your home. And uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if that feature is a widespread feature, and I'm not just getting confused with running it off like a PC running in some sort of Steam OS server. But uh, I digress, because right now we're more interested in the um, Steam Deck. So let's find out a bit more about Steam OS. It is a live operating system that you can, buy, um, that you can download to your PC. You don't have to buy it because it's Linux. And it was originally intended for the Steam machine hardware, uh, but it's, now, it's basically a... Ubuntu-based operating system that automatically is Steam. So, you know, when you run the Steam app on your computer, uh, it uh, brings to you all your games and your entire library. That's what SteamOS does by default. And, you know, you can close it and go and do other stuff on a SteamOS computer, but, you know, it's configured unless you tweak it. Otherwise, to just like boot into Steam and just let you play games. It's, it's, it's really good. I've, um, not installed it as a PC operating system, but I have installed it in a virtual machine, and it just it does exactly what you'd want it to do. It's it's really really good. So in terms of Steam OS being the operating system for the Steam Deck rather than Windows, I suspect that this may have knock-on effect to persuade more more game publishers to make their games available on Linux slash Steam OS, but only if it turns out to be a really good and long-term supported platform, as opposed to, say, mm, I don't know, the Steam machines. <laughs> this is very true. Um, one cool thing that they've noticed about this version of Steam OS that's going to run on the Steam Deck is it's going to have um, Proton compatibility, so that's oh. going to help it run the Windows games. Yeah. And that apparently, according to IGN, that's even going to let it, um, that you install other game stores. So 
you can actually download Origin and Epic Games, so competing game stores even. Um, the only thing that I've seen raised up in reporting about compatibility issues is while some games might run, their anti-cheat software might not because it's not Linux compatible. So that can interfere with certain games like Apex Legends, um, even though they're available on the Steam store. Um, so I don't know, it, it may affect more games than what's been listed in reporting. But apparently, like that, that for me is a big deal with the fact that it's like an updated version of Steam OS, because it's like, okay, well, a lot of the, the, even in Steam's own library, the games aren't compatible with Linux. Um, they say that this, um, proton compatibility layer is actually going to help, um, in terms of, yeah, launching and, playing games and we'll take a moment from our usual podcast proceedings to just remind you that the really useful podcast can be found pretty much anywhere you find podcasts so we're on apple podcasts we're on spotify we're on google podcasts we're hosted at transistor.fm so you can find us there as well we're also on youtube and of course on makeuseof.com now, however you subscribe to the Really Useful Podcast and listen to us, it would be amazing if you could take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That will help us to find new listeners and take our podcast to ever greater heights. You'll find the link to our Apple Podcast page in the show notes. Thanks a lot. Now, everything we talk about in this week's, uh, and indeed in every really useful podcast, you'll find in the show notes. Usually it's uh, articles from makeuseof.com, as obviously we're a makeuseof.com podcast. Uh, this one will not be. PC Micro reporting that Valve has been working to avoid thumb drift, uh, thumbstick drift on the Steam Deck. And uh, it's not particularly detailed about what they're doing. They've, um, they've actually told IGN, uh, we've done a lot, ton of testing on reliability for the Steam Deck. I'm pretty sure Valve don't really want to be dealing with a ton of returns or throwing a load of money at repairs. So they're going to want to get this so it's right before it goes out, I should think. I think the fact that these aren't detachable by the looks of it as well, it's not exactly replaceable. Um, I, I've seen, though, before a lot of this like thumbstick drift seems to uh, come down to the parts that they use. So it's it's basically a very, very cheap components that are used in certain thumbsticks that create wear and tear over time. And that is essentially what happens is the feedback gets affected, and that's what's causing like the drift and the interference. And literally, if hardware makers just used slightly higher quality components, the thumbsticks wouldn't have this issue. So maybe that's what's what they mean by they're, they're working to prevent it so that it has a longer lifespan because uh, apparently what a lot of the the hardware that has these issues, they're using thumbstick components that essentially have like a, a very, very low amount of cycles on them. And if they'd used ones with higher cycles, they'd basically last a lot longer than just a year. I mean, that's probably true, although the, the Xbox One control I mentioned earlier had the problem within a week of unpacking it. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> I was like, wow, what are you 
interesting then. <laughs> now, the thing about the, um, the Steam Deck is quite, quite interesting, is that it isn't the only handheld gaming PC on the market. I mean, arguably, it's not quite yet on the market, uh, other than as a reserve. There are a whole host of products. These are handheld PC gaming running Windows that have been around for a couple of years now in some cases. There's quite a few of them, and it's, the list is too long to describe. So what I've done, pulled up one particular example. I shared it with Megan. This is the GPD Win3 Ultimate Edition Intel 1165G7 with DDR4 16 gigabytes of RAM, one terabyte SSD, five gigahertz Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and runs Windows 10. And, you know, it looks like a Nintendo Switch. And, you know, you can see the difference between this and the Steam Deck, but also you can see that they're very trying to do basically the same thing. And I noticed looking at this one, this normal price is £1,239, UK pounds. And uh, it's suddenly in a promotional sale from June the 13th <laughs> for £849. I wonder why. <laughs> There's a whole host of these things. So what this might do, this uh, the Steam Deck, what it might actually do is um, open up this whole new market for Windows or portable PCs, I should say, not just Windows uh, gaming, but it's like portable PC gaming, which would be really interesting. You know, you could say, well, I've got a Windows tablet, so technically, I, you know, if you're using a Surface, I can play games on this. But yeah, you can, but it's not really the same as mm. doing it in a kind of a, let's call it a switch form factor, is it? So mm. I think, I think there's, um, there's a lot to be said for this. I think a lot of these products are probably going to be, um, people are going to look at these product prices, look at the um, Steam Deck and probably say, I'll get a Steam Deck. But if they wanted Windows for God knows what reason, people, um, they might prefer to go for these types of, uh, let's call them uh, legacy handheld gaming PCs. When we talked about this before the podcast, you weren't aware of these, were you? Um, no, I was more familiar with the um, Android-based ones. So those, I mean, a lot of them are like running emulators or Android-based versions of games. Um, I wasn't aware of the the actual Windows ones and ones that actually had docks as well. Yeah. So that kind of makes the point, I think, that um, Steam Deck is kind of, it's been headline news since Thursday, Friday last week in uh, well, like computing websites and discussions online and stuff. Uh, you may have seen mention of it pop up on Facebook. If you have any interest in, in video games, those adverts will be appearing on social media. And so, especially when it goes live. And, you know, with really useful podcasts, we do tend to stick to topics that are not technical in order to avoid discussing topics that may be full of jargon and are unnecessarily complex. And really, that's not what you want for a really useful podcast. You want the answers to things. So basically, um, this is the Steam Deck. This is the Nintendo Switch OLED. still think it sounds Spanish. And <laughs> You know, we've brought you all the information we can for each of those, whether you decide to buy one or not. Christmas is just at the other end of the year now. You know, there there are reasons to spend money on things. If you're keen on uh, keeping yourself socially distanced in the near future, again, reason to buy a new gaming system or a new version of an old gaming system. It's really up to you how you progress with this. I'm going to say to Megan, I'm going to ask a question, I suspect another answer. Megan, if you had the choice of handheld PC gaming console, like the one we just discussed, a Steam Deck or a Nintendo Switch OLED, which one would you choose? 
Probably the Steam Deck. Just between like price. Yeah. And stuff. I mean, if I didn't have a Switch at all, the exclusives might get me with the OLED. But then like I'd not want the OLED because of the price and I'd be like, no, I'd get the standard model. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the Steam Deck is very kind of, in terms of the portability, the titles available, that type of thing. The, the fact that, yeah, you know, when you buy something on Steam, you now have it on your, your PC and your, your Steam Deck. So it's not like you have to buy separate versions for it to enjoy the, um, kind of like cross-platform experience. That type of thing. I, the Steam Deck would win it out, I think, for me. Yeah. And for and you? Think, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely the same. And also going back to what I said about uh, retro gaming on the Switch, the Steam Deck has the potential to possibly overtake that. I'm not going to say it's going to, and in terms, certainly in terms of Nintendo title, there's no way that it could. But, you know, it's a Linux computer. All of the retro gaming suites are available on Linux. They're easily going to be able to um, be installed on the Steam Deck. And then you've got the, the, you know, any retro products, games, re-releases that you've got in your Steam library already, they're going to be playable on the Steam Deck. So, uh, in, in terms of that, then uh, that makes it a bit of a competitor as mm-hmm. well. We'll leave it there and, uh, you know, check the show notes, uh, have a look at what we've been talking about, see what you think. Feel free to, you don't need me to tell you to go and buy it. <laughs> completely up to you. We'll be back next time with a new, really useful podcast. Until then, from Megan and myself, it's goodbye. <laughs>